and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Quarter Three Strands. Um, this is Ron Young. I am not here with Allison Tuttle today. Instead, we have a special bonus episode, and I'm here with Pastor Michael Bowman, and I'm going to have him introduce himself in just a second, um, but I'll start with a, a brief story about um, why we're doing this. So in a very shortly, we are having a whole season on feasts. And um, I'm at the ACCS conference in Pittsburgh, and I'm wandering by a table, and I see a book. And uh, I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, Joseph Pieper, who's the author of a book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture, which is a, is a, a very prominent book in the classical Christian world. We talk about it a lot, and it's always recommend people reading it. I had never heard of this book. In Tune with the World, A Theory of Festivity. And I picked it up on the eighth day book table and asked the uh, the guy in the back, this pretty good book, huh? And uh, he said, um, it would be a tremendous mistake if I put it down and not purchase it. And then none other than George Grant. I don't know if you know who George Grant is, Michael, but uh, yep. he's also kind of a big wig in the uh, Presbyterian and um, classical Christian world. And uh, he just happened to be there. And he goes, oh. You, you need to read that book. And I thought, that's great. And, uh, and then there's this, uh, this other guy, uh, Pastor Michael Bowen, and I was going to introduce him in just a second. And, um, Michael, what did you say about this book? Uh, so I, I have said, I think at some point we talked about Peeper or I maybe even asked yes. you, you know, have you, have yes. you read this book or have you read some of this stuff? And, and I um, think that's why, you know, when I saw it, I picked it up at the book table. Yeah, because probably the last time we had a conversation, I was reading um, some of Joseph Pieper's stuff. And specifically this book, In Tune with the World, I found to be maybe the most insightful book I've ever read. I'm a little prone to hyperbole. There are other books that maybe actually top that list. Um, but really, this book has um, taken a, a place in my mind, in my heart, um, in my practice even, um, that has, I mean, it has influenced me, um, very profoundly and I still feel like I'm just beginning to, uh, kind of live out some of the things that I've been learning by reading and rereading, uh, this book. Yeah. I can, I can just to testify to that as I've been reading it, I I've had the same, the same effect. Like it's, it's one of those books you got to think about a lot, but, uh, especially when we start talking about Sabbath and, um, you, you know, this, there, there are just some things in it that, that I've already begun seeing things differently in my, my own practice. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So, absolutely. so, um, Michael Bowen, I, um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, uh, talk to us about your, your ministry. And then you, you also have a, a podcast, which, uh, which I've been on and it's a, it's a wonderful one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as you said, uh, my name is Michael Bowman. I am currently uh, a solo pastor at Christ Covenant Church, which is a PCA church here in Wisconsin. We're in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, so if there are any listeners in La Crosse, would love to meet you and, and uh, touch base with you sometime. 
so I, I'm a, a pastor. Uh, that is uh, how I spend most of my time. I have a, a family married to Emily, uh, and we have four children, Haddon, Martin, Eliza, and Warren. And uh, we have a, a small homestead uh, just outside of the, the city of La Crosse on land that my kids are the seventh generation to live on. And um, no. yeah, so I guess that's, that's a lot about me. Like you said, I, I am a part of a podcast called um, Restless, which is a, a bit of a postmortem on the Young Restless and Reform Movement um, with another pastor here in the Wisconsin Presbytery of the PCA. Um, I also have a couple other things that I do, uh, a couple other podcasts. I have a uh, one that hasn't been out for a little bit, but hopefully will be uh, again soon called uh, Weekly Wisdom uh, that people may be interested in checking out um, that a buddy of mine records, uh, but where I just wrote, uh, you know, I write basically what turns out to be about a five to six minute uh, little snippet on the different Proverbs of Solomon starting in Proverbs 10. Um, and just little, you know, uh, bits trying to go deeper into each, each of these uh-huh. proverbs. We just started pretty recently, um, uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll keep posting those regularly. Um, it's a fun little project that we've been working on together. My, my daughter is, uh, in, in college, uh, uh, has been doing a study in proverbs and, and she, uh, she sent us uh, proverbs, uh, 27, 14. Um, just to, uh, I don't know, be a little snarky. Uh, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. <laughs> <laughs> and I get, my wife is like, amen. And she, she'll like put that, you know, uh, put that above the door so that I see it as I'm, as I'm, uh, coming in, in the morning, <laughs> I, I tend to have the tendency to be too loud in the morning. I will admit it. Yeah. My, my boys have been fairly early risers and morning people. Um, my daughters have not been, I, I will say my wife and daughters have not been my, my uh, youngest daughter will, will wake up happy though. Um, I won't say that about my other daughter. (laughs) (laughs) You won't, you're not saying either way, right? You're not saying either way. (laughs) Those proverbs can be dangerous, you know, so it's a good, good thing for, for moms and dads to, to read those and study those it's and great. live by those. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, you also have the Theological Grazing podcast, I think. Is yeah, that- yeah, but I also do a personal podcast uh, called Theological Grazing. Um, all this, by the way, if you just go to ccc-pca.org um, along the side of the front page, you'll find uh, kind of a, a way that you can get to each of these podcasts. Um, but that is just really my thoughts. Honestly, there's going to be quite a bit that's influenced by, um, directly or indirectly by Yosef Pieper, but, um, just, you know, uh, different ideas and thoughts that come to me. And it's kind of like a little bit of a, you know, audio blog slash personal journal where I can keep ideas that I'm thinking about. Yeah. So one of the things I I like uh, about uh, Michael, his thoughts and his ministry is is a very an, an aligned with what uh, Palatine Institute is looking to do, and that is looking at the the Christian faith about the the Word of God and how that affects how we live. That there's this culture that is developed by that, and um, and so as as I think he and I had been talking about, and he knew that I was I was uh, going to do one on on uh, feasts. Uh, coming up, he, he he. I do remember you did mention this book. Um, that I think that's why I looked at it at that table, um, and it's been completely worth it. Uh, as as uh, Michael said, it's a um, it it's going to change the way you think about things, and I think it's an extremely important book for our age because um, in our hypermodern, postmodern, post-postmodern, I don't know what kind of world we live in right now. I'm sure someone down the line will give it a name for it, but it's, it's, uh, th- there's this, this nihilism, um, that's just a whole world of anxious, nihilistic folks looking for something. And, um, and, and the, the idea of festivity of, of feasting, um, which is, should be second nature to the Christian. 
I think is a is a a great model and I think um, an attractive thing uh, for the world that we live in. And I I don't I don't think we're getting it very right. What do you think? Yeah, I, I basically think that we have completely lost the plot in this way. What's interesting is that, you know, Peeper's writing this in the 60s. Um, he's yeah. writing it, especially in, in some sense, contra um, the kind of totalitarianism that uh, he saw rising uh, or, or had already arisen. It was, was uh, operative, especially uh, in the Soviet Union. Um, Peeper, by the way, was a, a German... Uh, Roman Catholic philosopher. And yes. so uh, what we have is a translation. But it, I mean, the fact that he's writing this 60 years ago and much of the things that he talks about, my guess is that a lot of people in the West, um, if they had read it at the time, they would have thought, you know, some of this is a little bit overhyped. Maybe that's true in the Soviet Union, some of these things. But, you know, we, we don't necessarily see that. Uh, but we live in a time where many of the things that he said were happening have happened yeah. And then some, you know, like we, we're living in the aftermath of already that basically the, the complete removal uh, of what makes festivity possible, uh, which I'm sure we yeah. can get into more as we move forward. Yeah. Yes. And, and it, you know, one of the, the not haunting, I don't know what, the, what to call it, but the, the part that just reverberates it throughout my whole being is this idea of, um, the, the longing for joy, right? That there's uh, with, without, um, uh, there's a quote here. The longing for joy is nothing but a desire to have a reason and a pretext for joy. Seriously. And, and, and our world is looking for it, uh, you know, in the midst of anxiety, hopelessness, or confusion, um, hurt, um, ceaselessly striving for something like money or, or, comfort or whatever um has has been i'll just put it like this as all these false idols that our our country has kind of put forth our culture has put forth as ways in which to receive some sort of happiness or joy um we're, we're finding ourselves being joyless yes. and so there's this this need um for joy and and we do it uh, you know what it, whatever like think of this um i know that i'm i'm older than than you uh <laughs> michael i'm i'm 56 you know and i loved halloween cuz i can go get some candy but halloween was not a big deal the like, halloween's a huge deal now right yes. everything's a big they try to make everything a big deal and and i i think it's because people are looking for something that's going to give them joy some something yeah. that's gonna make them happy yeah oh yeah yeah there's there's so much that can be said on it this is one one of the difficulties with this book uh is that it touches on so it's actually really small so for those listening this book it's actually pretty short you can sit down you can read it in one sitting if you are you know even a, really, an yeah. kind of average but, reader um not that you should you, right you're talking about the speed of of reading words yes right <laughs> I challenge anyone to sit down and read it in one sitting because you, yeah. you'll get these <laughs> points and you're going to have to go, okay, I got to sit on this for a few, a few days. For and, months, uh, maybe years. I'm at, So I'm at uh, multiple years at this point of just not yeah. being able to stop thinking about some of these things. Uh, but I, I, was, I had this out uh, on my table when I was rereading it uh, pretty recently. Um, and we had a, a game night at our house for some young adults and- um, uh -huh. You know, there was a group there and there was a couple of young women that came early to help kind of make a meal and, and, and get some things ready. And one young woman uh, saw this book and she just, you know, uh, she maybe asked me, oh, is this what you're currently reading? And I said, oh, yeah. And, you know, she said, OK, a theory of festivity. So what is like, you know, how would he define festivity or what is like, what is the argument of the book? Yeah. And I kind of looked yeah. at her for like a minute and I was like, so here's the difficulty and even beginning to explain is that this is how Peeper begins the book, right? This is the first line in the book. He says, certain things can be adequately discussed only if at the same time we speak of the whole of the world and of life. And he said, festivity right. is one of those things. Right. It's so interconnected to everything that you can't actually so just true. simplify it. 
And so I had trouble even yes. fully communicating how exactly yeah. uh, I could express, well, what exactly he's talking about. Yeah. He does, <laughs> you know, on page 30. He, yes. He gets, you know, there's like, um, there's only 88 pages of the whole book. But again, like, like Michael saying, it's dense. It's, it's a, it's one that you got to think about, but he, he kind of gives this definition. It's not really a definition, but he says to celebrate a festival means to live out for some special occasion and in an uncommon manner, the universal ascent to the world as a whole. All right. Just think about that for a second. So, um, <laughs> So to celebrate a festival, to live out the universal ascent to the world as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that that's that's kind of weird because the older I get, the more I can come to grips and ascend to the world as a whole. Like it's it's funny. I think in my younger days, this would have been very impossible. But I think all children can do it um, easily. <laughs> Does that that sound weird? I mean, it's just you know, it's um. I, I think when when you're a young child, you just you you kind of take for granted this gift of the world, or at least if, yeah. if you're not making them sit inside on iPhones all day. If you just let yeah. them be children and go out and explore and and uh, de develop the wonder of this beautiful, amazing world, and experience it as the as a gift, as as uh, Peeper uh, uh, refers to it, um, yeah. You, you oh, know, man. Those can I just say this is one of this is one of the scariest things to me in reading this book is yeah. that you come to realize that that natural wonder at the world that actually is in a certain level natural, right? It It yes. is to just experience the world as God has made to experience life. There is, there's supposed to be a wonder, an interest. And even if you don't know where to direct that, um, a thanksgiving, a kind of like just yeah. gratitude that arises in you. You'll hear this from people who even aren't Christians. Now as Christians, we have a place to direct that, right? We know it all comes from the creator. We know it all comes from him. We know who yeah. to give thanks to, right? We know that we give yes. thanks to Jesus Christ. But even for those who don't know um, where to give thanks, who to give thanks to, um, they'll still have that feeling sometimes of gratitude if they're living in the real world and not in uh, a kind of modern virtual reality. So let me give an example. Uh, one of the shows that my kids and I really like watching, and probably it's mostly me, but my kids also like it because it's an opportunity to watch something. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I love the show Alone. If you've ever seen the show Alone, yes. this is a show where they go out, people go out and compete by surviving in the wilderness. They have to film themselves doing yeah. this. Whoever lasts the longest, uh, you know, gets half a million dollars. And yes. one of the most fascinating things is that especially the longer that they're out, the littlest things. Um, for instance, there was one, one time when a man caught a fish and then right afterward, he caught another fish. Now for us, like maybe yeah. you go fishing to catch a couple of fish. It's not a big deal. Um, for him, like this is, this is staying in the game. This is yeah. being able to survive. This is his food for the next, you know, two weeks. Um, but he caught one right after the other and he just broke down and, you know, he was a kind of a tough guy, but he almost began crying and he had to stop himself because he didn't want to cry as much on camera, but he just stopped right. and he just said, I'm so, I just feel so thankful. Like I so thankful and he yeah. didn't know where to direct that. Uh, right. He even right, said, right. like, he kind of said like, I, like thankful to like the earth or this fish or what, like he didn't know. And I could turn to yeah. my kids and I was like, guys, look, he, like, he's so full of gratitude. Who should he give, be giving thanks to? Who should he be, be uh, thankful to? And we were able to say, oh, to God, right. To, Cause who provided this for him? It was God. Um, yeah. This is one of the scariest things wrong. Uh, there yeah. are a lot of people in the West, uh, in America, that don't actually think that it's good to exist, that it's good to be alive. Oh, um, yeah. and, and that, because of that, you ca there can't actually be feasting, there can't be festivals. So this is just a little before the definition that you read. Uh, Peeper goes a little bit more into detail about 
um, some of this idea of of affirming existence in the world as a good thing. He says, this is page 26. He says, underline all festive joy kindled by a specific circumstance. There has to be an absolutely universal affirmation extending to the world as a whole, to the reality of things and the existence of man himself. And he'll go on to say um, that this kind of affirmation is to say that everything that is, is good and it's good to exist. That like just being is a gift and a good thing and a wonderful thing. And I actually think that if you speak to a lot of people today, they would not say that. They would not say that it's actually good to exist. I was teaching a Bible class at a Christian high school in the area here um, just uh, maybe a couple years ago. And at one point I mentioned something like, you know, just to be alive, just to have a heartbeat and breath in your lungs. Like this is like, this is so much better than winning the lottery. You have so much, like there's so much good. And one of the students said, well, actually, you know, it's not really good for a lot of people. And I was like, no, that's, that's not true. (laughs) That's, that's not true. Um, Everything that exists is actually fundamentally good. Yes. Sin has twisted and perverted things. Um, but on a fundamental level, existence is good and right because it all comes from the one who exists in and of himself. And and anyway, I I just think that this shows one of the the issues when we talk about festivity, feasting. Where we go is, oh, you mean like you know ordering a bunch of extra food and having people over to your home? It we almost go to like the mechanics of it. Or do you right, mean like right. well, we get the day off work? And we get to go out and like see a parade or something like that. Um, But that's not actually the heart of these things. Um, The heart is actually that that fundamental joy and thanksgiving directed toward God uh, for all that he gives. And sometimes for specific things, but it, it comes out of the realization that actually at its core, everything is the gracious work of a gracious God. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, that's one of the things that's profoundly changed a, a lot of things. Just the, the, as he talks about God evaluating, this is, this is a little later on in the book and, and as he's talking about Sabbath, <laughs> um, but it, on the seventh day and, and, and God looks at everything and says, it's very good. Like, like we need to be, the, the idea is, is that, God has looked in delights in this world and has called it good, very good. And that this is something that we're called into like to, to delight in this world that he delights in to, 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 um, to see the goodness of it all and ascend to it. I mean, that's the, and, and the ascension of it, uh, comes out in a, in, um, as he, he talks about his ritual praise is there's a, there's a, um, a goodness to it but but um you know how, how often and, and this i know i'm probably way ahead but th- this this understanding of um if if i don't know god the creator who has given all this to us as gift um it, it could be i i would say in our our time in our world maybe um easier to not be joyful to not be thankful and and when like you you gave that illustration of the alone that when there is a time to be thankful they don't know how to do it or give it or to direct it to whom and um yeah it's it's uh it's 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 (laughs) great um yeah he says he says uh festivity is impossible for the naysayer and like that just captures Again, how, um, you know, you think about where we're at as a society, everything is critique, everything is tearing down, everything is deconstruction, um, everything is critical theories. Yeah. There's no, but there is no room for festivity for those who are naysayers. And we are naysayers, you know, uh, culturally speaking, we're naysayers on the, the, the ultimate level where we say nothing is inherently meaningful. Nothing we do has meaning. We don't have meaning. All we are is is stuff, right? All we are is is physical, chemical, 
reactions to things. There's no ultimate purpose. Um, that when you start with that, it's not actually possible um, to get to the point where you could actually learn what it's like to have true joy. Yeah, very, very, very true. And then, and then when our society is being taught, you know, the the critical, you know, looking at things through that critical lens in everything, race relations, uh, you know, sex, what, whatever, gender, um, it's trying to make everyone out to an offender or a victim. And that, and that's really, it's really hard to assent to the whole. <laughs> and, and, and uh, it, when that's, always being the lens by which we're people are being forced to look through um and and just my goodness just once again because i i do this a lot i know but if your children are at a public school this is what they're getting but if it really is and um yeah it's one of those things and and i'm i i have the outline for a book that i'm working on um, actually I got a few books I'm trying to work on, but one of them, it has to do with education and that, that whole need for wonder and the idea of, of, um, of God making us in his image to properly name things. Right. And, uh, and, and we can't name unless we know, and we can't know unless we delight, right? We can't, Yes. we need to know, we need to love. And, um, and so if, if, if we're just being, we're just teaching kids, um, hey, this is what we call this and this is what we call that. And they're not actually in the grass of their bare feet looking through and identifying bugs and then delighting and knowing these things. Um, they're not going to feel capable of, of, of doing those things, nor are they going to feel the delight of it all, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and that's the, that's the, the wonder and delight of God's world in, in a young child does, does wonders for the rest of his life or her life. And, yep. um, we're, um, we're robbing, uh, we're robbing that of our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Even as you said, I mean, there's, there's a certain natural element to it that kids do naturally have this. So when you have kids and especially, you know, I talked about, you know, being at a, uh, this Christian high school um, where kids were saying, so these are, I mean, this is, you know, this young woman that said this was probably 16, 17 years old, maybe 18. Uh, you're in the prime of your life, right? Like you, yeah. you are at a point in life when you should be full of energy and vigor and love and like, and you're telling me, you know, uh, uh, an older man that no, there's no point for a lot of people in living. There's, it's actually existence isn't good for a lot of people. That's just devastating. It's devastating that um, where we have come culturally has gotten people to that point. And you see it all over. I mean, you see that massive rise in, in, in drug addiction and in, in suicide and those sorts of things and just absolute uh, hopelessness for so many people. This is yeah. fundamentally at the root of a lot of that. Yes. What's, what's also, and this is just an, uh, an odd thing. So I grew up poor in a poor area. And, um, it, when I, when I went off to, to seminary in Chicago and then began to be told how, um, the, 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 the separation between those who are the haves and the have nots in the city of Chicago is dramatic. And the, the, um, the, the absolute, uh, condescension and prejudice against those who grew up poor was, uh, was crazy. And, um, and as, as if, uh, it's almost like that 16 year old, um, as if, um, you know, the question is, is there, is, is that poor person's life worth living even? And, and we need to go save them. And, and then I, I, I just, was it was not a pleasant it was like an exposure of like really like this is it's 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 crazy because go out, go to go to places where there are poor people um they delight in life there's yeah. there's they they find joy in in uh the, the great things it's it's the uh the west who's lost their joy yeah Wow. um yeah so people even touches on this so when we think about festivals festivity, um, there is a certain lavishness to them by nature, right? A kind of, yeah. of 
you know, you you are not keeping track of like a strict budget if you're really kind of just throwing a feast, right? You're just having yeah. people over yeah. and you're you're just giving, right? There's a certain element where um, if if you are a part of this, you are just, you're giving and enjoying. Um, you're not being super careful of, you know, you're not counting calories when you're in right. feast mode, right? Yes. Um, however, Peeper points out that um, although, uh, you know, uh, a festival is a phenomenon of wealth. It is not fundamentally a phenomenon of, of you know, money wealth, uh, of riches okay. in, in money terms, monetary terms, um, but rather of an existential wealth. Yes. And I think all of us know this, you know, some of the times uh, probably that many of us have had some of the closest things to what I, I think people are talking about in a festival or feasting, um, it has not even necessarily been where you have just a ton of a ton of stuff where you spent a lot right. of money. Uh, but yeah. rather think about times that you've spent, you know, maybe it's, it's uh, camping or, you know, we have a, a Bible camp that we've been a part of uh, in Northern Wisconsin that we love and, and go up to every year and have the deepest, you know, relationships and friendships of my life were built at this place. And, and, you know, my parents met at this camp. I met my wife at this camp. We just have this deep connection. And every year I go back and, uh, you know, we'll bring my kids to a family camp and, just get to sit around with all these people that are just really dear friends to me. And we're all in different stages of life and live different places, but we come back together. And generally speaking, we spend every night, we just sit around a fire. Yeah. Right. We, we just sit around yeah. a fire chatting and we will laugh, you know, until it hurts and we will just enjoy each other. And it, and we don't, I mean, there, it doesn't cost hardly anything um, for what we're doing for that moment. And yet we tap into this kind of richness of just joy and love uh, and, and fellowship together as we yeah. give glory to God for together. And, yeah. and it's, it's just this moment where you realize like this is the most like desirable thing that I have in my life, right? Like this, these moments, not necessarily only these moments, right? These kinds of moments spring up at other times, but to be able to enjoy God and his world and each other together like yeah. that is, is just, um, you know, this, this is fundamental again, to feasting, to festival. Yeah. Um, it's something that arises out of that fundamental gratitude for life and all that God has given. Yeah. So he, he talks about that, um, this longing for joy and the desire to have a reason, a pretext for joy. And he, he goes on and, and speaks that joy is related to love. He uh, says, the reason for joy is possessing or receiving what one loves, whether actually in the present, hoped for in the future, or remembered in the past. And yeah. in, in other words, like, you know, just bringing it down, like our life and all that we, in our existence, the, the fundamental thing and the thing that we, that brings us joy is truly love, the, the people we love who have loved us, who we will love. And that, that promise for, for future, like just your illustration of, you know, you don't see them for a year and then you come back and it's just, it's just a, a, a festive time because this, there's this re you're united with these friends and just, and, th and this is the longing of every human heart okay. is this is love and love that is eternal. Yeah. You know, that, 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 uh, there can be a permanence to it. There, there can be a hope that comes from it. Sure. And, and so it's, it's interesting. Peeper doesn't go, um, he, he goes from joy to love to goodness. Like that, this, that, that these, this, this world in which we are in is, you know, the, um, what's the word? Love makes the world go around. I guess. I don't know that. People didn't nope. say that, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the fundamental goodness of this world is, is, be, is, it has to do with, with this love yeah. and, um, you know, and, um, where love rejoices, there's festivity. I mean, he says that in Latin, but that's, um, but that's the translation from, a, uh, what is that from, uh, Chrysostom, right? Chrysostom. Ubi yeah. Chrysostom. They quote from Chrysostom. Yeah, ubi caritas God act ibi festivus, um, where love rejoices. There's festivity, and um, and that's the that's the the great thing. Goodness, um, 
Uh, so what we want to do is affirm the goodness of the of the thing celebrated in our in our festival, right? That that's yeah. Um, what um, where should we go? It's hard. I know. I feel like I'm jumping around here. Well, but um, it is. You know, it's all connected. It's all connected. This is. It's one of the bees. You honestly, you could probably read the chapters of this book out of order, and it wouldn't even feel out of order. Because it's yes. all in so interconnected, and and you just come back around in full circles all the time. Uh, it it really is hard to uh, to take it didactically. As he said that first that first line, right? You, things great, certain things can be adequately discussed only if at the same time we speak of the whole of the world. <laughs> yes, of life. Yeah. So, um, so that that's the that's the thing here. Um, he, he talks a bit about, um, the need for contemplation and for real, for it to really be festive or to be a festival, there's, there's, there's gotta be, um, a, um, contemplation of the thing that you're celebrating or you're, and, and there's this ritual, um, ritual praise. Yeah. Right. Um. And, and this is, this is the other part that, um, it's, uh, our, our world tries to have feast and festivals with, with ritual. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, look at the, um, you know, the Packers beating the bears. <clears throat> this is, that happened on Sunday. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's always the rituals. There's the, the, you, you expect the national anthem, you expect the, the flyover, there's, there's these things that help prepare the person for this event that's coming up and, you know, and it's this, this great, you know, thing. And, and I think the world tries to do this apart from God in all sorts of things, right? Yeah. If we're going to celebrate, um, you know, sexual, uh, deviance, uh, we got to have the parade and we've got to have the colors and we've got to have the, there's, there's ritual things that are going to accompany it. If we, and, um, you know, we're going to celebrate Christmas without Christ. We still got to get a tree. We got to get the presents. We got to get all the, the, the trappings. Um, but, but these things don't, they, they always fall flat. Um, it always falls yeah, flat. Yeah, they don't have they don't have that s- ultimate substance, um, that 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 central piece that you need uh, in order to truly feast. But of course, uh, because we are people made in the image of God, we live in His world. Even yeah. when you try to remove everything else, there is a a a, a kind of unconscious uh, unconscious knowledge that uh, you still have to have festivals. You still have to do this, yeah. right? So he talks yes. about um, in, you know, the French Revolution and the ways in which, you know, so many of these uh, religious festivals, they tried to kind of, you know, build their own and, and change everything uh, according yeah. to how, how they wanted it. Um, and obviously you see that in the modern world. Um, you yeah. mentioned, you know, we just, uh, yeah, there's, you know, we've got uh, Pride Month now and, and things like this. Um, but one of the things you notice um, and that, that Peeper brings up is that the only way to really push these uh, newer types of festivals that don't arise spontaneously out of the good acts of God, such as the incarnation and why we celebrate Christmas, um, apart from those things, like the the true reasons uh, for celebration, uh, what you have to do is you have to coerce people into a festivity. And the moment that coercion is involved, it's actually not festivity anymore. Um, and this is even something to learn for the, you know, the church. When you look through the history of the church, um, you have times where these good festivals, right? These 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 real true festivals um, have become coercive and yep. burdensome on people, yep. and it actually removed the joy of it all. It removed yes. the the purpose of it all, and so they they ceased to be festivals, right? They became pseudo festivals, um, yes. and definitely we have that going on in the modern world apart from apart from the church too. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're told you have to celebrate this festival or, you know, your, your soul is in danger, you're going to add days of purgatory or, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's not very, <laughs> it's not very festive. Um, right. Yeah. He it's, talks it's about not. like, 
Yeah, some of them like May Day, um, uh, you know, trying to 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 make um, more of a socialist holiday, and they, they have no, they have never had any lasting effect. Um, once the coercion's done, it's just, you know, Labor Day. What's Labor Day? Well, it's a day off. Yep. It, it, it's it's that's kind of what it is. It's day off from work now. Yeah. Um, and that's the closest thing that a, a lot of people have to um, to festival. Well, so between that and um, certain uh, certain things, like you mentioned, sporting sporting outings, or you know, where you still have a kind of ritual, you still have these sorts of things. I, I would also add things like concerts, um, you know, uh, art festivals, music festivals. Um, there's still an attempt to to bring about some of this joy. Um, that, you know, often falls flat. Um, but one of the only things we have today or that we would connect to the idea of festivals would be, like you said, a day off, right? It's all, yeah. it's all built around um, just getting a break from the normal and what we're doing. And that's actually not what uh, festivals are supposed to be or what they're right. supposed to be about. Um, you get this a lot more if you read some other uh, work by Joseph Pieper, um, he's done just tons of work on the concept of leisure. And mm -hmm. I think this is super, it's all intertwined, um, but yeah. uh, yes, it is. <laughs> almost exclusively, we think of life as broken up between work and recreation, right? That's, that's right. everything. This comes yes. up, you and I have seen this, this comes up when uh, we're talking about the Sabbath and how to participate in and, and keep the Sabbath as reformed Christians. Um, we believe that we're still called to keep a Sabbath on the Lord's yeah. Day. Um, well, but what does that look like? Usually people still see it as, well, this is the time that I get to rest to go back to work, right? Like to, right. to like prepare me to go back to work. And actually, yes. um, festivals, leisure time, um, this, is, this is time that should be spent doing things which are for themselves, it, like goods in themselves, their ends in themselves. Um, they're not actually connected to our work. Now, like Pieper says, meaningful work is kind of the, in a, in a sense, the seedbed that a lot of this rises out of, right? If you don't live a meaningful life in existence most of yeah. your days, probably you won't be able to jump into the, the celebratory joy of a festival. Um, yeah. But out of that meaningful work, you can. But that, that festival, that feasting, that, you know, ultimate joy, it's not done for the work, right? It, it's not facing the work. Yes. It's not directed toward the work. It's directed toward higher ends um, that really uh, go beyond and transcend our just yeah. our earthly life, where we participate in fundamental yeah. reality, right? Reality yeah. outside of what we can do and accomplish uh, by earthly means. Yeah. And I, I highly recommend leisure as the basis of culture because um, it, it talks a lot about that um, in there. So he, he, so Pieper talks about this, you know, there, there's this human, you know, all ancient cultures had religious festivals and they, they, they try to work on them and, you know, uh, uh, to, to do them. Um, he says eventually that, um, they're, they're the, the only festivals whose invisible core we can directly comprehend are the Christian holidays. At first sight, there seems to be a multitude of them, but they are reduced down to two, Sunday and Easter. And then he quotes a guy, Yosef uh, uh, Youngman, who says, to read the original idea of the Christian festival, we must look to Sunday and to Easter. Yeah. Um, Mike, why is that? Um, I think you could probably pick up from how we've been talking, what we've been saying, why that would be. Yeah. Uh, right, because uh, festivity ultimately comes from the gracious acts of God where we then respond um, with this uh, kind of fundamental gratitude and joy. Um, as, again, as, as those who love, like being given the ultimate love, uh, being shown ultimate love, being loved ultimately, um, we then respond with, you know, uh, an, an overflowing joy because we've received everything that we most need, want, could even desire, and even more so, right? The, 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 the beauty of the, you know, infinite nature of our God is that it's, it's far more than we can even, you know, begin to fully 
uh, experience and, and contemplate and and dwell on and and be filled with um, his love is is overwhelming, right? It's it's yeah. far more than us. And so um, anyway, so that's why, right? Because it is it is through the Christian festivals, um, you know, on the Lord's Day in celebrating the the work of Christ that we have we recognize that we've been brought into the life of God, the overflowing, uh, abundant life of God and that that then, you know, spills out of us, returns out of us, uh, you know, flows out of us as that joy. Um, you know, yes. Pieper has a, a, another little book that might be a good introduction to some of his thoughts on leisure. It was for me. It was the first book I read by him um, called uh, Only the Lover Sings. Um, and that's a quote from uh, St. Augustine where he says, you know, it's, it's only the true lover uh, is the one that that sings that that has this you know singing being kind of this overflowing joy and praise and thanksgiving that comes out of us and um, so that it it all fundamentally comes down to um, the worship of God the praise of God yeah yeah if I can add that I, I think there's this he he goes in I I forgot which chapter it is but he he talks about the the Lord's Day as both the commemoration of God's creation and his redemption. Right. And it's, mm, yep. but the part that you were hitting on, which I think is, is, is crucial. It's not just a memorial in that there we're simply remembering something that, but on the Lord's day, when we come, we're participating in the, his life, in his, um, in this salvation that's been given. Um, so it's, it's not just me thinking, Oh yeah, God created this and, um, you know, his, his son died on the cross and and raised from the dead. It's also that, um, this has enabled this union with him and, and fellowship with him and this, this life and, and this praise, this, this, just this day that we, we remember in a way that we're feasting (laughs) is, is, is good. Um, and that this this life that that comes from it is what re- really is that joy, right? Because right. it's our our those as it, it kind of goes back the uh, the reason for joy is possessing receiving what one loves, and we possess and receive Christ. Um, and and uh, and also there's this hope for future. So the the the, yep. the Lord's Day is not only something that is looking at the past, nor is it just this fellowship in the present it's a promise for this for the future yeah and it's and it's um and it's this is the state of of uh the 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 christian in in, and why we would want to go to the lord's house and to to worship him on the lord's day to give him praise is this not just the commemoration uh, but it's this this participation in this this life that he offers us and and to receive Not only for us to praise him, but to receive from him his continued blessing, his gifts of his word and his sacrament. And um, it's just a, it's a, it's great. Yeah. What do, so, what do we read in Hebrews, right? We've come to a heavenly Mount Zion uh, surrounded by a multitude of angels and festal gathering, right? Like that's, yes. that's what it is to gather together as the church to worship. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as Peter talks about festivity being, um, a, a time when you participate in reality, right? Actual yes. reality, the yes. way things actually are at their core, um, yeah. because you're in a sense participating in the life of God. So too, then we would say, yeah, that's actually exactly what happens when God's people gather together for worship um, as he has directed us to do. Yes. And, and probably why Paul prays that the, the eyes of our heart would be open right that we'd see these that we'd see this and and this yes. i think is part of the the part of the part of our sanctification really is n- not merely um you know not doing the do nots right it's part of that uh, sanctification really is is uh receiving the the benefits of christ and 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 growing into this knowledge and and um an experience of uh, this 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 life that that Christ has given us through His His uh, sacrifice and through the Holy Spirit and um, and to see that this is what we're doing when we're coming in on the Lord's Day, 
you know, it's, it's not that, and this is, this is, I, I, I know this is the, the problem is, you know, what was it back in the 1980s when we started doing seeker sensitive worship and beginning to look at churches, uh, um, from, a, uh, the, the idea of a consumer, right. So that we're providing goods and services to the consumer. And, and so the person at church kind of goes in with this idea of like, you know, what, what am I going to get out of this? Or, and so, so rather than coming to receive and to participate, they're looking to consume and it's, and it's never going to be what they want. Yeah. Instead, they're, they're missing out on the something much better that that's yep. offered. And, and, uh, as a church, and I, I'm not talking about the PCA in general, I'm talking about big C church, big, you know, evangelical churches throughout America. Um, it, it is we put up with that way too long. I mean, we, I capitulated way too long. In fact, we still think that way in a lot of ways. And so instead of, instead of doing the hard work of teaching and discipleship and and directing people to this, um, we, we still, um, I think, you know, lick our finger and put it up to the air and you, you know, I think you know what I mean, right? Yeah, um, we try to, honestly, we are trying to, what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, create a kind of festivity in our own power uh, with yeah. our own means. Uh, we're doing exactly what uh, is done in the creation of, you know, pride festivals um, yes. or or these, you know, uh, socialist uh, ritual uh, festivals that that spring up from time to time um, or, yeah. you know, Earth Day or, or these sorts of things. Um, we... Yeah. Yeah, we just we're we're doing the same thing in the church. We're trying to force, in a sense, the the hand of God. We're trying to force people into into a certain feeling that we tell them is true joy and festivity. But because very often we're not giving them the substance of yes. true life in God through Christ, um, what happens is they they get that. Maybe you get even a you know a, a kind of exciting high. It, it feels good for a moment, but that's it, right? That's it's over after that. It's it's nothing more. Um, that's because that is all it is. It's a virtual reality. It appears real. It maybe even stimulates you in some form, but the moment it's over, it's over. There, there's no way to to actually maintain that kind of false reality. Yeah, he quotes Nietzsche at some point talking about the the, the to have a good feast. It's not the things that you do. It's the getting the right people, right? I I, I, I don't have the quote right here handy but in, yep. in essence in essence what dj is saying is is to have a have a really good feast it's it's not going to be the accompanying things it's it's the the right people and it, yeah. and that's that's the part i'm I, I think we're trying to say is when when we're the when we have this um this understanding of what we're walking into on the Lord's day, as we, as we go to, to church, as we, we're, we know that the, this, um, this longing for joy is, um, is going to be met there because, um, we are going to possess and receive what we love. And, uh, it, it, it changes everything. You know, the Lord's day then becomes a delight, not because the, the pastors have somehow, made a better show um it's because our hearts are prepared to receive what god has promised to us and and that that um and that's what makes it so good and such a a, a an, an amazing thing and 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 when you have a congregation of people that are filled with joy because of this reality um man the the singing is so much more beautiful the Everything, you know, you walk out of that service and you're, you're completely skewed and you're, you're, I mean, an objective person from the outside might look at it and go, well, that was really weird or right. But because I've participated in this, I go out and just go, man, that was a great service. <laughs> so, you know, and it, 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 um, in other words, it has a lot more to do with the heart of the believer, um, in, in coming in, um, seeking, what God has promised and participating in that reality than any song that's sung or style or you, you, you name it. 
Yeah. Yeah. You notice so often, what does Christ do when he interacts with people? Um, he doesn't change their circumstances, the things around them. When you read the gospels, right. um, Christ, oh, you know, he's not changing the the social situation. He's not changing uh, very often the, you know, the economic condition of people. He changes the people, right? So he gives, yep. he gives them eyes to see. He yes. opens up their eyes, their mind, their heart. Uh, and that is what then brings about change. Um, it doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work the other way around. And this is, you know, again, it's, it's wrong when the, the modern state tries to coerce people into some kind of festivity that, that is truly an anti-festival, to use Peeper's words. Um, but that is very often what we try to do, too, uh, when it comes to the way that we present Christ to people. We try to, to force their hand in some form rather than trusting that by the Holy Spirit of God uh, and the proclamation of the word of God, they themselves will be changed to better see yeah. and understand what's going around. Um, I, I told, I was just talking to my uh, church and I bring this up once in a while, but I was just talking to some of our people in a Sunday school class on Sunday, um, talking about how, you know, God is present in all times, in every place, everywhere, down to the smallest, you know, he is fully present down to the, the smallest yep. atom or quirk or whatever uh, there is at the base of all material things in the created order. He is he is fully present at the level of galaxies and the universe and 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 whatever else there may be, right? Like he's he's just pr he's present completely, always in every way, all around you right now, right? When you listen to this, it is it is the Lord upholding it all. It is Christ sustaining it all. It, it, like he is present everywhere at all times, um, and yet when we don't recognize that or when we forget it or when we just get used to it, um, we, we can begin to believe that in some way he is limited, he is somewhere else, that his glory is, is only in a certain place. But what we really need to have is just eyes to see. No, his, I mean, his glory is everywhere. Yeah. His praise is being proclaimed all around us. Um, everything that is, is because he is, right? <laughs> everything. Yeah. And so, so all of it is about him. All of it uh, could inspire that joy and that thanksgiving all, all of it uh, can be received ultimately as that good gracious gift from him as pure gift every bit of it every little bit yeah i had a fun um member at at uh, in college azusa pacific university um just after college i was sitting there talking to a friend of mine um and he was talking and going on and on about um this this new life that he's had now in Christ and uh, what, you know, well, how'd that happen? And he's explaining about this church that he, um, he and his wife started going to and how it just, the, the, just how the, the, how gracious it's been, how life of, how it's just given them life as they've, they encounter Christ a week after week in the liturgy and, and this just, it just this just couldn't say enough about this church, and then I I recalled that church, like the name of that church, and because uh, I had another friend, and I'd asked him about because he had gone to another church, uh, you know, he had been at this church and he left. And I said, why did you why did you leave that church? Well, you, well, I, the only reason I went to the church is it's a church I grew up in, and it's just dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was like like how do you how do you square that right it's it's like you know and and um the truth of the matter it wasn't dead he just didn't have eyes to see and right. and so he had he had left church for for quite a while and then started going to a different church rather than back to the church he grew up in and of course his heart was then prepared at that time and i'm i'm pretty sure if he would have went back to his old church he would have his eyes would have been open but yeah. um, but it it just it's a it's an odd thing it's it's us so the part of it is, man if if um if 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 we're not coming and 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 joy isn't what's coming from us, um, I I think the the big thing we should be looking at is why like it's it's not because of the I would say it's not because of the church it's usually because of the person. Um, you know, it, you might be going to a church that's kind of lost its way. That's that, you know, and you might want to find a, a 
a true believing church, but, but usually it's, it's what's going on in us. And, and we need to do that. Peeper talks about then. So if, 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 you know, Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and, and we celebrate Easter pretty much every Lord's day. That's why he can kind of break it down yes. into two. Right. In communion, it's, right. He's, he talks about the Lord's supper yes. communion uh, being that central focus, but he has a great quote, by the way. Um, I don't remember where it is, but he says that, uh, that one of the early Christian saints, I don't know where this comes from. Maybe you do, but he says that early Christians called exclusion from communion banishment to unfestivity. Yes, I saw that. I don't too. know where that, that comes that from, but I, I'm just fascinated because that's such a yeah. great line. Yeah, it. Boy, what is it? Is it chapter six? No, chapter. Yeah, it's on page thirty-seven, uh, where where he talks okay. about it. Yeah, there is on the very top of it. Communion is banishment from un, unfestivity. Yeah, footnote uh, eleven. Now I got to go look. But yeah, that's a what a great. What a great statement. So it looks like it's from uh, St. Athanasius. Interesting. Sounds, yeah, so from the, the Festival great. Epistles of St. Athanasius. So I'll have to uh, go pick those up. Read those, yeah. <laughs> All right. He t- he talks about, so if if the, the every Lord's Day is really the celebration of the resurrection also, um, he, he talks about this idea of an everlasting feast. Yes. Or, and, yep. and what is, what is, What's he talking about? Uh, so I, I don't remember the exact deal in that particular chapter um, where, where he's talking about that, but I do. I mean, he, he kind of ends this way too. He, he yes. you know, again, he circles back around, um, but ends with basically the idea that um, you can, basically um, there is an always festival going on uh, for those who have eyes to see, much like what we've been talking about just now, um, that because all of creation is ultimately uh, for and about the glory of God and and all of creation uh, is is focused on that point. And because um, though sin has entered into the world, uh, so God himself took on flesh uh, and was incarnate among us and now has redeemed us by his saving work on the cross and has redeemed all things uh, by his work on the cross. Because of that, um, it is it is possible in a certain way Right. Not not in the way that you can, you know, you're just you're feasting constantly in the sense of like the outward uh, right. physical, you know, like all I ever do is party. You know, like that's right, okay, right. that's not what he's talking about. Um, there's still a, a kind of occasional nature for whatever reason. God in in the way that he's chosen to work at this time in in the, the history of creation is that that we would get glimpses in a sense of this. And probably part of that is to remind us that we're not there yet, right? I mean, this this is something that is yet to be consummated in its fullest form for us in the new heavens and new earth. There is still yet a, a, a you know a, a wedding supper of the Lamb that will happen in its fullness when we eat and drink together with Christ again um, in uh, in the, His heavenly kingdom. Uh, but uh, we still get to participate in that even now and can participate in it even now because of the faith that he's given us because, you know, I, you know, I, I think of, you know, C.S. Lewis in the great divorce where, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, when you look back, he's kind of, you know, uh, has, has himself walking with George MacDonald in heaven. And, and he looks backward to what life was and what, you know, hell was and what, what the earth was like. And it's just this tiny minuscule thing. And it's almost as though it's, it's just, it's, it's taken on just a part of, what is now glory for him as he is as he has now come to heaven and he he begins the book by talking about how you know the afterlife he sees heaven and hell are are probably less um, and I think he's pretty close to right about this but they're they're less uh you know sudden change in the way things are yes. and rather yes. we'll look back from our place in eternity and basically see that all along we were already there we were already participating in heaven if that's where we're destined to be right if your name is yes. written in the lamb's book of life yes. um you will be able to look back on everything and this is part of that you know peepers you know universal assent of everything you know universal yeah. affirmation you'll be able to say look even those times uh where i was you know caught up in sin or even those times when really um horrible things happened to me i can look back from the vantage point of eternity 
or even in our own lives, we do this when we grow in, in Christian maturity. We can look back and say, look, I, you know, these things aren't good in, in and of themselves, but somehow God weaved them into something good, right? He, he took what was meant for evil and he made it into good. Um, and this is part of that, that just always festival. Actually, you can always participate in the life of God at every point. Um, you just have to have the eyes of your heart uh, open so that you can truly see it. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. All right. I think, I think we're going to, we're going to end there here. Um, I, uh, Pastor Michael, I just want to say thank you for, uh, for doing this, for introducing me to this book. Um, I'm so glad I read it. And um, I think in this, ep- the season coming up on feasting, uh, I, I'll probably be relating a lot of things back to Peeper yes. and to our conversation. So, um, yeah. So with that, I would just want to say, uh, say thank you again. And I hope that, um, your, uh, your ministry out there in lacrosse will be, uh, one filled with joy and lots of feasting and, um, look forward to, to, to being out there sometime with, uh, with you and, and, uh, doing a barn dance perhaps or something. We're going to do it. We're going to do it sometime, Ron. I, I love it. Yeah, I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, I'll take any chance I get to uh, to take part of what you're doing with the Palatine Institute, and especially yeah. if it involves talking about uh, festivity. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll uh, see you next time. <laughs>